please pronounce your name correctly for me. Dushan Kohol. Whatever, whatever you want to say. <laughs> you can just call me mate, dude. <laughs> I rarely say dude unless I'm really stoned. But other than that, no. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you are both a, cre a creative person in yourself. You're a photographer. Is that correct? Exactly. Great. So am I. So we got that in common. That's nice. But you're also the executive director of Off Bratislava Festival. Now, am I pronouncing Bratislava correctly? Yeah, Bratislava, Bratislava, but it's, it's Bratislava. fine when you... okay. Bratislava, it's like brat, you know, like if someone's behaving like a brat. Okay, fair enough. Now, one silly little esoteric thing. Why is the festival called Off Bratislava? Because we started like 12, uh, 13 years now, actually. Uh, we started 13 years ago as the off as a fringe festival to a main festival, month of photography, European month of photography. And then the name just stuck and we never changed it because people knew it as off and we didn't see the point in changing it anymore. But we started as a fringe festival. Okay, makes much more sense now. Great. Yeah. But let's go back a little step. So you, so how did you get started being creative? So I'm interested in your childhood. Were your parents creative? Did you have some great teachers? Like, how did this even start for you? You know, yeah, I was always like the creative kid, you know, with the one, you know, playing with scissors and stuff, you know, like coloring everything. And I, I don't know, I was, I, was, I was always like that. And I didn't know what I really wanted to do in my life. I, I only know that I wanted to be creative. I wanted to be a painter. I wanted to be, you know, I didn't think I want to be a photographer because I didn't really know that much about the technology and all, all of those things. But I, I know that I want to be something creative because that's all what I wanted to do as a child and still as an adult. Me too. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think if you have a passion for what you do, that's a good start because that means that you're going to do it well because you like what you're doing, you know, that you don't do something that annoys you or that you are waiting until it's over and you go home, you know, you know, because being creative and creating art is something that's not like a job, nine to five job. You do it all day long. You think about things. You, you create in your head constantly. Indeed. But now you also traveled for your education. I saw that you did some schooling in the UK and things like this. Like, why did you choose to both leave for education, but then also return to, to Slovakia? I didn't leave for education. I left for myself, you know, when I was growing up, when I was 19 years old. But I was living in London for seven years while I was studying there. But I also studied in Czech Republic. You know, I was doing a part-time study in Czech Republic. And so, I don't know, I always stayed connected to this part of the world. And then I kind of felt like I want to return. I had some family issues that I had to deal with. So I returned mostly because of that. But I think that experience of living abroad for seven years after that, I spent a lot of time in New York. So that kind of shifted and, and helped me to evolve in the person I am today. And that's why I'm probably doing what I'm doing today. You know, that's why the festival maybe looked that way and maybe the gallery looked that way. And my art looked 
that way as because but I guess it's everybody's journey, you know, too. <laughs> a lot of artists have very distinct styles to their region that where they were sort of trained and all that if they stay there their whole lives. And then you can often tell when an artist has uh, left their, well, let's say, home country or wherever they were trained and sort of expanded their horizons and tried different mediums and different perspectives yeah. and so on. I can generally tell the difference between a person who's sort of moved a lot or traveled a lot versus somebody who stayed in one place. That's true. But in today's world, you can also tell that if people are looking a lot, you know, but you can now somehow substitute with, with like Googling a lot or, or like spending a lot of time on Instagram. You know what I mean? Like copying things that are happening somewhere abroad. It is true. There are more opportunities for exposure now than there ever have been in the past. Yeah. Now you say you you have a gallery and of the festival. Is that so? Let's see. Yeah. So you are a photographer. You have you run a gallery and you run a festival. Is that all you do, or do you do more? Yeah, I do a lot of things. I'm first and most the the artist. That's the way I see it. But then you know I founded a festival 13 years ago. Two years ago, we saw that we should open a gallery as well, because that's a very different platform to, you know, to a festival. That's a very different way how those two things work. I mean, then, then COVID happened, you know, like it was, it's the whole opening process was very slow and, you know, it somehow slowed us down a little bit, but we managed to open the gallery last year. Physically, we opened in 2021. So it's, it's going to be a year. Now the gallery is open. Now I'm sitting in the gallery. <laughs> I don't know. It just feels like a very natural step to open a permanent space because a festival happens annually in November for a couple of weeks. And then it's over. Even though we are working on the preparations and everything for the whole year, but the exhibitions last only for like, two, three weeks. And then we thought like, oh, we should have some place that open the whole year long, curate exhibitions that are presenting art, photographic art, the whole year around. Now, so this gallery, is it a like your traditional gallery where you have a series of artists you represent and it's all about sales? Or is it more of a like an exhibition space that has, you know, a, a, an, an exhibition, but not necessarily represents artists? No, we do. We do represent artists. We do represent local photographers. And that was the, actually the reason, because festival is very non-commercial stuff. That's where you exhibit the work as it should be done, the artistic side of the exhibitions of the project should be on the highest level on the festival. And the gallery is more for the commercial side of the festival, because to be honest, there, there wasn't a platform like that here in Bratislava that would be selling or promoting local photographic artists on that kind of level. And, you know, like taking them to art fairs and from the business side of photographic art. So we decided, me and my colleagues, Zuzana Lapitkova, who is a, a co-director on the festival, that we would like to use our skills and experiences and open a space like that. Now, just to be clear, though, is, is this sort of one company, the festival and gallery, or are these sort of separate companies? 
They're two separate companies because festival mostly operates on ground, work with the Ministry of Culture and all that, and and the gallery is more of a commercial space. So they're two different organizations, but the, the same people are behind them. Well, I'm thinking more from like you're saying like sponsorships and grants and all this kind of stuff. Like one of you know an, an, a festival as a I'm assuming it's an NGO of some sort. Kind of thing. festival is a civil association, and gallery is like a proper company. Every country has different regulations on that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's all for taxes. I know. <laughs> well, one thing I'm fascinated about is that you all choose themes for your festival every year. Yeah. I'm always interested in sort of like going behind the curtains of like, how are these things done? Yeah. Like, so, like, you know, how do you choose a theme for that matter? Even how far in advance do you choose them? Like, is it like a one year, two years, three years? It's it's a year in, in advance when we open the festival, we already announce the subject for the next year. A lot of the festivals around the world do it, even, you know, like Biennale in Venice, they've got a theme. But then when you go there, it's, you, you don't really see it. It's like people, it's very vague. And we try to follow the theme, like really try to follow. I mean, it's always like a theme that's quite broad. Like you can cover a lot of areas of that subject, but we really try to follow that. And we started to do it, like, I think it was the fourth year of the festival or fifth year. And it was before, like, the first couple of years, like, we didn't really know what we are doing. And we kind of, like, we kind of attend and, and and we tried something and it was like, oh, oh this, this doesn't work. We should change it a little bit. You know, like, the, you know what I mean. So, uh, and then oh, on the fourth or fifth year, I don't, I don't know really which year it was. I don't remember anymore. But we established, like, a proper subject for the festival because years before it was always very like oh documentary or something <laughs> new art uh so like very broad very broad subject then we had subjects we titled generation y all the projects suddenly it was like because we normally exhibit on the festival young artists anyway it's quite young art it suddenly made sense because those artists create about their lives and it was very natural and that year was suddenly very different. And to me, it made a lot of sense. And even the responses from the audience were different, like, because suddenly there was some kind of connection between everything. And when you walk through, because the festival, what is very important, we are in one big space. All the 20 to 30 exhibitions are in one space. So when you walk through, through the exhibition space, you kind of get one notion and different opinions on the same subject. So when you leave, you can you can almost have like a dialogue with all the artists. You can kind of get something, some some notions of the of the subject. And uh, this really worked for the first time when we had Generation Y, and then we felt like okay, we have to stick with it and work with it somehow and make make it better. And every year we choose a subject, which is quite social subjects about people and you know like uh, for, from environment to dogmas to uh last year we had a family portrait so it's so a kind of very social thing i think it works i think it works and to uh, really answer your question we choose the subject the year in advance and we know what some of the projects we are going to be exhibiting next year this year 
So you already have some sort of artists or projects in mind when you come up with a theme, sort of yeah. sort of the the fun the, the the foundation project, sort of the bigger named or bigger funding needed kind of projects, kind of thing as the sort of uh, columns that are sort of holding up the whole rest of what you're going to schedule around it. Yeah, we have some because the festival works on the open call, uh, but also we invite artists to exhibit. Some of the artists we want to invite or we are inviting, we know already what we want. And we also don't choose the subject like, you know, because both of us, you know, like or, or like all the other curators at the festival, we, we kind of travel and see what's around and so what people are exhibiting, what people are working on. So we don't choose a subject that no one working on. You know what I mean? Like no one. Uh, so we're kind of choosing subjects that it's in there anyway. You know, like we don't choose something completely out of sense of what's out there because then we would make it really hard for ourselves choosing 30 exhibitions about, I don't know, like reindeers or something. You know, like it would be, it would be hard. I was actually going to ask, what's the topic that nobody's working on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like that, that, you you could probably find something that you would have to end up. You would end up with exhibitions that are not very good just because they're working with a subject. Correct. Yeah, I mean, is it always a subject like a topic, a sort of idea, or is it? Have you ever even thought about doing like medium based, like do an entire one just of like analog photography? Well, we never thought of that because we try to cover all the photographic new hard mediums. You know, it's like, I think that would be very limiting. And I don't think that's suitable because we do from like, like very traditional black and white photography, documents and portraits to multimedia installations and performance art. We try to cover it all. So... I think that would be very limiting. And I think uh, even from uh, the audience perspective, it might be really boring if you had only one medium. Agreed. It was just an idea. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, can, we can consider it. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. I don't work in that way. But I'm, it's just sort of, a, it's one of the things is like, because to a certain extent, you're trying to sort of have your finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry. You're trying to be somewhat progressive and interesting, but you still do have to answer to like, A, what are people making? Because even if you want to do the theme on a certain thing, but nobody's making that, then that sort of leaves that idea out. And B, you also do have to take into consideration that you have to make something that's of interest to people. So like you can't go too yeah. esoteric and too crazy because then nobody's going to show up. No, no, I mean, I, I, I mean, the first part of the of the thing you said, like it's a dialogue between us and artists. It's not just about us. We consider what people are working on and we want to present what they're working on. It's not about like we're going to create some kind of very abstract thing just because we want to and we are curators. And you know what I mean? Like it's collaboration between us and artists. So I think that's necessary that we have to consider the subject. And the second part, I mean, we do crazy stuff, but it can't be the whole thing. It, it, it always has to be balanced with something else because from the beginning of the festival, we wanted to be to the broad audience we wanted to bring the art to the biggest audience as possible so we have to balance 
crazy stuff, as you said, with something more traditional. So, so if people come there, and that's always what I say, like to people who are like, oh, that's not for me. Like, I don't understand art. I always say like, oh, just try it. And there is so many different options that you're going to like something. So I, I think this is our approach. And we manage to bring bigger and bigger audiences every year, which so it works. Even in those two COVID years we had, we were lucky enough to open the festival to the public. And, you know, we break records in attendance every year. So I think it's great. And I feel very lucky. It sounds great. I mean, I'm, you said you work with the ministry and all these kinds of things. Like, this is one of those things yeah. that I find fabulous about most of Europe. Like this, this support that the government gives for these kinds of projects. Yeah. You also even talked about art fairs because I know some countries, I'm not sure about Slovakia, where they will actually pay to send galleries to art fairs. Yeah, you have to pay for it. Art fairs are not for free. You have to, you have to pay for that as a gallery. It's expensive. Yes, they are. But that's the business side of art. That's completely different. Like art fair and the festival. Fair and the festival are just two complete opposites of the spectrum. It's funny. And in my youth, I didn't understand that difference. I thought that they were very similar in many ways. But as I've gotten older and seen more of both of them. I've yeah. come to learn that, you know, a festival is really sort of more a proving ground or even a testing ground for an idea or a project more so than yeah. sort of the idea of an art fair, which is actually more of a commodification and, and the financial transactions more so than yeah. trying out some new creative idea. Yeah, exactly. Festivals are for establishing the artist. And then more festivals they exhibit at, the, the higher price they've got on the art fairs. It's like if you would compare it to if you would compare it to fashion, people people maybe understand that analogy more. Like in fashion, you've got the old couture collection on the catwalk, which is the art version of it, and then what they sell in shops, it, it's more cut and Ready narrowed versions of yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's something like that, I, I would say, in a very, very absurd analogy. <laughs> well, it does seem like, like at the festivals, you're often seeing more progressive, conceptual, even technical, like, like they're pushing bounds and limits more, whereas art fairs often are sort of more established, like, oh, you already recognize the style or something. But an art f festival is where you're going to see the more progressive news things that are potentially going to become the yeah. styles of things and people. Because the art fair, they want the galleries want to sell. You know, if they pay, I don't know, like ten thousand to twenty thousand euros or dollars for a stand for a booth, they want the money back, so they have to sell. You don't see that many galleries experimenting. You know, they bring their big guns to sell, and also the presentation and art fairs. It's not the way the art artists would their work to be presented. It's almost like a salon. You know, like one picture another picture next to it you know it's like as much as you can squeeze in the small booth you know it's it's not the way the artist would present the work so festival is should be the ideal version of how the artist imagine the work to be presented and what the project about but the art fair is very it's it's, it's all you don't see very much i mean like some of the biggest galleries do it 
but they don't present only one artist at the art fair. They got like 20 there or 10. So it, it's like bigger number of uh, artists. So it's always like one, two, three pictures from one, uh, from each artist. So it doesn't really make sense as projects as well, because artists now mostly work, not as solid, especially in photography. I don't know as much in painting, but in photography, you artists normally work as project, they don't work as oh, I took one nice photo. That's it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and in on on the art fairs, you don't see the whole project. In many ways, I wish photography would be allowed to just do here is one magnificent photo in the way that like painters and <laughs> sculptors can do that. Like, I mean, almost all of us can make one magnificent photo. Yeah, for the rest of your life, you would be like that one photo you <laughs> hey you know what if if any of us are known for even one photo we should be very proud yes, we would be lucky yes we would be very lucky and proud exactly so back to the fair though so when yeah. you all are okay so you you have some artists that you choose as a sort of your foundation of your theme for the year but then you do an open call and i i i have entered into open call submissions for art yeah. fairs for or sorry art festivals for decades Festival, never once getting into them and so i'm fascinated by hmm. what have i done wrong <laughs> like, so like i, I guess it's more the point of like w w what could be what's a good sort of an application because like i'm always my pet peeve is the issue of i can make strong imagery but i'm not sure i'm always really good with my supporting context and text and so i'm wondering like oh. how important are those two elements individually or together i can't speak for for like other festivals they might have a different way of selecting uh projects i should hope so the way we we are choosing projects from the open call is very simple we you know we get like hundreds and hundreds of, of projects every year that we have to go through the whole board of curators down of the festival you know, of the festival is down and we project the work on the wall and we, we are looking at each project and we as we are looking at it the, one of the curators reads the text what what is the project about and then we always you know like then we vote Yes, no, maybe. And then we see like how many projects we have. Yes, then we go and look into the maybes if we need more. Then we also work with a very distinctive space. For five years, we were in a like a 19th century palace, which was, it had frescoes and chandeliers and, and it was very run down. So it had a really interesting charm to it that you had like a contemporary art in this kind of place. But then it was the palace belonged to city and they started reconstructing it. So more they done there, less we could do because it was then forbidden to do stuff there. So we eventually had to find a new place where we can create more than just hang a picture on the wall, you know. And we moved to an old department store, like from 70s which is in the center of Bratislava, which sits there most of the year empty. We were on four floors this year of the department store, so it's a huge space. But it's a very, very different atmosphere because it's a very communist kind of architecture and very kind of used, I would say. 
but it's got its own charm. So we can, we can, uh, again, work to the extent we can do as much we really want there, which is good for the art because there are no limitations. We have to think of like, oh, this is a certain space. And, and we know we can do like, I don't know, we had like over 30 exhibitions last year. So we know exactly what projects we need because some projects wouldn't work at some places at that space. So we sometimes look for a certain projects for a specific space. So that's a very important part of that as well, of selecting projects. Because like, for example, last year we added a, like a basement floor, which is like, it was like a minus three on the ground, a huge, like, I don't know, it was like 10 meters tall ceiling. It was huge. I don't know if it used to be a bunker or something, but it was a very specific space. So it needed specific projects. We wouldn't ruin someone's intentions by placing it into a space which is not suitable for it. So that's what we also operate with. Because it's not like the gallery here I'm sitting at now. It's it's all this sort of the typical white cubish space, like white walls, concrete floors, empty, nice light. Festivals not happening in that sort of space. You know, there are certain areas which might look like that, but the most of it doesn't. You don't want to disturb certain art by placing it into space which would be clashing totally so that's what we have to consider as well when while we're choosing the project all right and so the process of sort of whittling it down from the hundreds of submissions that you get down to the right so it's partly the location itself and how the work relates to it what i'm sort of interested in is like so let's say somebody who's listening to this podcast intends to Sub submit this coming year yeah. what would be like some aspect like i mean even stupidly technical things like do you put in detail photos or do you just do big photos like how do you sort of follow all the guidelines correctly to make sure that the the, the work is at least well received and understood by you all i think the simplest the better I mean, to see the project, we want to see all of the images in the project. Like, just send a PDF file where, you, where we can see. Uh, you have to upload like five images, I think, on our website where we can see like five, like, like the thing you think are the best ones from the project. But also, we want to see the whole project, which doesn't have to be like high res or anything, but just to have a notion if those five images are not the best ones and the rest. Is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we want to see the whole thing. But then also we ask people to send us like a visualization or like written form in a written form, their ideal way of exhibiting the work. And that this is why we ask for that because we then replace it to a space where it would work the most. So first of all, like the, the project has to match the subject because a lot of artists send projects even you know, like to all the festivals without reading their subject or the themes. And then we just have to read it and sort of like, how is this really matching the, the theme? Like, you know, like you're really trying hard, like thinking like, oh, wow. <laughs> like adding a one sentence at the end of the description, like it's not going to work. It has to match the subject. Then just make it simple. Make it uh, for for us, it would be like make it simple, make the presentation really simple, 
Well, it's interesting because like I was raised or I keep saying I was raised. I was sort of trained in the United States in the U.S. style. And our teachers always were telling us we had to be like cheerleaders and like sell our work and talk about how it fits into the art world. Yeah. What's, now that I'm in Europe, I'm realizing that a lot of the applications for things here are very the easiest way is to say sort of humble, but it's basically just just give the facts. Just say, I'm doing this with this materials and this is what I'm trying to express. And yeah. that's all. Because if you have to go through like thousand projects, you don't want to read the, you know, like the cover, cover like covering letters and all the, you know, like the, the, the stuff. You just want a simple information because people can say how amazing the work is and stuff. And then you see the work and you go like, yeah, well, I don't really see it there. You know what I mean? It's very individual. It might not work for us. It might work for someone else. But can I swear on this thing or not? Absolutely. So you don't want to see the whole bullshit around it. You don't You don't want to see the bullshit. You just want to see the work and they can keep the bullshit. <laughs> I, no, I love it. I mean, this is the thing is like, again, like I spent much of my adult life in, in the US, but now that I'm in Europe, like I love the fact that you all don't want all that bullshit. You just want just, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And this is how I want to present it there. And and you either like it or you don't. I love that. And I mean, you can keep some of the bullshit for the, you know, like for the descriptions of the project because they are, you know, sometimes very elaborate and stuff. You can keep it for that part of the project, but not about just selling it to someone. I do. Yeah. Now, okay. So when you're doing the, the festival, though, something I often wonder about is like shipping and customs and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, so are a lot of your exhibitions where people bring the works in or do they print them or sort of do the like the output or the present? This is, this is very individual depending on the project, because if we can produce it here, we produce it here. We print the stuff here. We even done some of the installation. But if it is like very complicated, you know, like, object device or like cutouts or collages and stuff that's like really like one piece that can't be reproduced then we have to ship it most of the exhibitions we produce here in Bratislava we've got great people we work with so, so I think the artists are always happy with the results it's easier and it's also cheaper than sometimes it's shipping you know sometimes it can be very expensive and annoying and stuff. So it's always easier to have it under control with people you trust. Oh, yeah. My biggest problem is with customs. When you ship something to a, yeah. a different country and trying to explain to customs that it's not an item that's for sale and it's going to be returned. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, what a fucking pain in the ass. Like always that sort of like, do you really think I'm going to sell this? <laughs> like, who would buy this? <laughs> So yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I know, I know what you mean. But we've got great people. Like, they, like even you know, our team is getting bigger every year. It's now like fifteen people. As a part of our team, now we've got a guy who is in charge of all the printing and stuff. So, so and he works in a big company that that's their job. Yeah, I'm I'm happy now. <laughs> the way it's going, we'll see. We'll see in the future. Like, if we've got money for it, we can produce it. At the beginning of the, when we started doing the festival for the first, I don't know how many years, we couldn't afford to produce the work because it's expensive. We asked people to ship it or bring it with them. 
Well, I mean, speaking of that, I, I'm interested always, like, how do festivals continue to do this? I mean, you get the support, I assume, from the Ministry of Culture. And then yeah. do, are you the kind of festival that gets, like, corporate sponsorships and things like this? Yeah, we try. We, we, I mean, the main main sponsor is the Ministry of Culture, the grant for the fest, for fest, big festivals. So we get that. That's like a three-year sponsorship. So, so you, you ask, you know, like you submit your grant once a three year and when say it's okay then then it's uh you get the money for three years like every year you get money then you have to ask again you know after three years that's really nice though to, to even get it for three yeah. years is very luxurious yeah it, it is i mean they don't give you the money in once you know like because that would be a lot of money and you would spend it and then you wouldn't have any for the next year <laughs> next year but but I mean, this is good because it's complicated. These grants are very complicated. Like it's not an easy thing to do. And I think they make it really complicated and complex just because they don't want too many people to apply. <laughs> so it's, it, it is it is difficult. It's like uh, it's like I don't know, like it's a whole book of papers, you know, like two hundred pages of stuff, you know, that you have to do, and then you have to, to, after it's done, you have to, you know, give them all the reports, how you spend the money and all, all this stuff. It's, it's difficult. You have to have a person just for that, nothing else. And that person is getting crazy completely from, you know, like doing all the paperwork. Oh, I, I do know this podcast is paid for in part by a grant. And I, I, yeah. I've i done reporting in grants before, but like uh, this is a extra level because I'm also having to do it in a foreign language. So it's, it's yeah. in Czech as well. So exponentially more difficult. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, but also, you know, like they give you money. So, I mean, this is how this is the deal. So you have to do it. And then also, yeah, we try to have like uh, corporate sponsors, you know, like it's not always easy to find company that would give, I mean, companies mostly would give you stuff. You can find partners that would give you something or do something, but they don't give you cash. Well, I would imagine for a festival that could be very beneficial though, because like you could get food or drinks sponsored, you could get yeah. projectors sponsored, you know, they give you some projectors kind of thing. Like there are lots of technical and, and, and sort of hard costs that like, it's just much easier yeah. if you don't have to deal with it. So I imagine it's actually reasonably helpful. Yeah. But also like it, there is a big get growth for like people, you have to pay work physical work, you know, because there's a lot of work and people not going to do that for free. So you need money. That's like one of the biggest number of how you spend your money to pay people's work. And yet are in the arts, most, most grants give the least amount of money for actual like salaries and this kind of stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So it's almost like us as the team of organizers is almost like a voluntary work. That's sad. So, so yeah, but that's 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 how it is. So, but it shouldn't be that way. We should be doing something to change that. Yeah, we are trying. We try. I think everybody's trying, but it's not that easy, you know. Like, I'm, I think one of our things we want to do for the future. When people ask me, like, where the festival is going to evolve and what do you want to change and what you are adding next year, it's not really making the festival bigger, but it's making the festival better, especially for you know, dealing with artists and treating artists. For example, now we cannot afford things like paying for travel, you know, like if we have art, because we've got artists from all around the world, like 
from Japan to America to, to Australia, and we cannot afford to buy them flight tickets and uh, buy them hotels and stuff, you know, like uh, the accommodation and stuff, uh, because that that's too expensive, you know what I mean? Or we cannot afford like pay them fees, artist fees, because we are showing their work. So that, you know, like these are the things that we, we would like to change for the future if we manage to get more money. Things that people on the outside wouldn't see. But the overall experience of exhibiting at our festival would be much nicer for everybody because people would feel appreciated. And that's something, you know, we want to change for the future, but it's not easy. You know, it takes years and hard work and begging for money. <laughs> it's true. I used to run a nonprofit. I know all about the begging for money stuff. Yeah. But no, wait a minute. I just have to ask, though. Nobody can see yeah. this, but you look incredibly young for somebody who has been running a festival for 12 years. How old are you? I'm 38. I started running the festival very young. <laughs> okay, because like when I think of a festival director, I often think of somebody with gray hair running a festival. Yeah, I'm like I have some gray hair, uh, especially after every year of the, you know after festival, I get older and older <laughs> you know all the stress and stuff that makes you tired and old and but, but you no know, i mean i started young 25 or 24 when i started when i founded the festival i'm just as i said like traditionally the idea of a director is is much older we are very young team the whole team is very young which is good it's good energy you know it's got um the motivation there and, and all that, you know, it keeps me going as well. <laughs> well, actually, which brings up an interesting question, which is like, sort of how is photography in Slovakia sort of being received? Is there a lot of Slovak photographers that are getting out into the world or is, or is it sort of difficult to sort of uh, get mm. out of the country? Well, it depends on what you would like to do. If we're talking about like art, photography or if we're talking about like documents or reportage or oh i'm always talking about art i think that's going to be our job as a gallery now you've got some artists that made it exhibiting all around the world and stuff but i think it was missing this platform was missing that would be promoting these these artists around the world. So I think that's going to be our next job with the gallery to do it. When you said earlier that, that you know, that we have artists that we represent and, and the group of these artists, we are still establishing that. We, we work with some, but it's not like we're still kind of like working who we want to work with and who we're going to push forward. And Well, and I would love to submit submit my work if I'm, if I'm eligible. <laughs> we, are, we, we, we are focusing on local local artists, especially I Slovak, knew you were Slovak artists. Say that. <laughs> Americans have got their own lot of lot of photographic galleries in, in in New York, you know, and, and Chicago and LA. I've never lived in New York or Chicago, never been represented by any of those galleries. Uh, where, where, no, you it, said you are from the East Coast. Where 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 Washington DC. Oh okay. I've I've been there. I've be it's a it's a beautiful city. Beautiful place to visit. Yeah, yeah. I was I was there for two weeks. I was staying at this Slovak uh, embassy, <laughs> which is a very um, a brutalistic building. And I had an exhibition myself as an artist. It was some kind of European culture week or 
something like that. I, I can't remember. It was a couple of years ago. So it was a really interesting experience. And I was there for two weeks uh, by myself, making friends and <laughs> going to museums. Oh, yeah. No, D.C. is great. I mean, I, I have no ill will towards Washington, D.C. I just don't want to live there anymore. <laughs> we went to some really great jazz bar somewhere. I can't remember what it was called, but it was it was very cool. Adams Morgan or DuPont Circle, probably. <laughs> yeah, they have the best jazz bars. I shouldn't say that because I haven't lived there in 20 some odd years now. Oh, wow. God, 30 years. Holy shit. Long time since I've been there. But, okay, so, but back to, like, your work also. So, like, yeah. you're also a practicing artist. Like, how do you juggle all this? I mean, you're trying to be a practicing artist, get your art out into the world, make books, because I know you do that also, and run a festival, and now, in addition, run a gallery in the middle of a pandemic, no less. Yeah. <laughs> like, how are you juggling this, like, personally to, to be able to, uh, you know, work? Because I find it difficult as creative people, oftentimes, like, myself included, like, we want to be known for, hey, I'm a great artist, but you have to be a teacher or a director of a festival or a whatever other thing. And then you end up getting known for that thing more than your art. Um, I mean, it, you you need to know how to switch from one thing to another. I mean, it helps you in a way. Like when I work on the festival or in the gallery, I can be more empathetic with the artist because I can I understand it from the other other point of view, other you know, from their side. And uh, as well, when I'm an artist working with the gallery or working with festival directors exhibiting my work, I can understand it from their point of view. So I can somehow navigate. It's helpful in a way. Like when like when I, I last, my last exhibition was in Belgrade, in Serbia on the Belgrade Potomac. And I somehow knew how to help them when I came there uh, to exhibit my work that I don't uh, that I'm not too much of a trouble you know you know what I mean because I know how what they were dealing with from their point of view so it's, it's helpful but it's uh, in a term of creating art it's um like when the festival is happening for example like I don't create there is no time no creative energy in me to create anything because I spend all my creative energy on exhibiting other people's work and making the whole festival because it's like one big thing so you, you create the whole thing as, as an event and as a visual I create mostly in the spring <laughs> because the festival is in November and I used to go to New York for like two months three months in the spring and that was my creative pre period but then COVID started I, I, I was supposed to come to New York like a week after the COVID started so previous president you know Donald Trump banned Europeans from, from coming to well, which was good because I do, I wouldn't want to spend the first couple of months of pandemic in New York because that wasn't probably very good there. But yeah, so the whole plan, it didn't happen. So 
now is my sort of my creative juices are starting to flow. This is my creative period, the spring. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because like I keep sitting back and I'm like, you know, the, I have this like theory that basically what artists want most is time, space and money. Those are the three yeah. things we want the most. And, and one of the hardest ones to deal with is actually like time, like finding time away, finding time away from other stresses, other inputs, other whatevers. You know, like you, like I also have multiple jobs and things like this, and, and you're you're mm -hmm. pulled in many different directions. But yet we still need to find that time to devote to yeah. being creative as well. And energy, we'll go a little creative crazy. energy, because when you spend that creative energy somewhere else, then you don't have, like I like an older I are yet like less less of it I've got you know what I mean less no not creativity but the energy itself so I'm just tired <laughs> I just want to go home and sleep <laughs> so, you know what I mean so so oh just yeah, you I'm, wait I'm 48 yeah like it gets worse <laughs> yeah well I know I know it's not going to get any better so I don't want to complain but during the festival during when the festivals have been prepared and being organized there is no energy left for anything else it's stressful a lot of people actually like don't realize that like how stressful that is that, that organizing an event is it's stressful and like when we get new people we want new people to be members of our team some people don't realize that and they come there and they think it's just going to be fun and you know like now we're going to hang some pictures on the wall and then we're just going to drink and whatever and we're going to have a fabulous opening because our openings are fun. Like our openings of the festivals are big events with like DJs and, and, and it's a lot of fun. And uh, we get like a thousand people at the opening, you know, so that's it's a big thing. And a lot of the people only see that. Like, oh, there's like there's Dushan, you know, wearing fancy clothes and, you know, drinking, you know, it's not, it's not, but they don't see the points that lead through that. And they don't understand that, you know, the, when we are there wearing nice outfits and drinking drinks and, you know, having fun, we've got earpieces in our, you know, ear and listening to all the bullshit and shit that's happening all around from like over floating toilets to like pictures falling on, you know, like the whole thing is happening and we are so tired. Everybody's so tired. So it's almost like the last grass of desperation that makes you have fun that evening, but it, everybody's exhausted. Well, not only that, people, what a lot of people don't realize is most people who like do these kinds of events and stuff, all these beautiful outfits that they're wearing and all that stuff, they've had that stuff like in their car or they had to like keep it there and they literally changed into it the last five minutes right before toilet. the I'm doors open. I'm always changing at the toilet. But we, we were supposed to open the festival uh, at six o'clock. I mean, we open it at six o'clock, but five fifty-five, like five, literally five minutes before the opening, we were all like in like dirty clothes from paint and stuff, and then we went like to the toilet, changed to change to the like nice outfit, and then you go go out and you smile, and every and there's like suddenly like hundreds and hundreds of people coming, and you're just smiling the whole evening because you are, you know, like <laughs> you have to, right? That's that's your that's my job. I can't be visible there. And and people don't people think like that, you know, it's not really. But yeah, that's part of it. You have to switch you have to switch switch it on. <laughs> 
You do. And it's a, it's a, I don't know, like in some ways I, I enjoy it and I love it and it's lots yeah, of fun. Me too. And I, you know, otherwise I wouldn't do it if I didn't. I love a party. But on the other hand, as a, some oftentimes creative people are, don't do well in those kinds of situations. Social, social environment, like social situations. Yeah, they you are can not learn good that. show ponies. Oh, hey, I'm good at it. I'm fine. My my father's a priest. I lived. Yeah. I, I lots of my friends were politicians, children, yeah. and things like this. Like I can do all that stuff. But there are lots of creative people that are really bad in those kinds of situations. No, yeah, and I, I know what you mean. It's it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. And to speak publicly and all that is not for everybody. But but you can learn it. It's it's something you it can be learned by experience. If you put yourself in those situations too often, you can practice it, and you and you kind of say like, "Oh, I didn't do this really well last time. I, I have to I have to be careful. You know, like this didn't work. This looks awkward. This is. so you can you can learn it, or you can just create that. You know, like you you can be that sort of clumsy." ditzy person that people kind of think oh that's this personality if, yeah if, if, that could be your shtick that's fine yeah. <laughs> because even even when we do our speeches and stuff people say like oh it was great it was so casual <laughs> we can't do it any 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 other way <laughs> just casual <laughs> Yeah, like I was on TV one time and, and, and I I did this weird thing where that was very comfortable for me where I like crossed my legs in this funny way and my yeah. dad watched me on TV and he's just like, well, that'll teach you to ever cross your legs on TV again, huh? Because oh, <laughs> it looked yeah. so awkward on the television because of the angle of it. It looked, yeah, it looked yeah. so wrong. Felt totally comfortable to me, but like, fuck. Sometimes it's also good, like I just don't care, you know, like this is how it is. No one cares anyway. <laughs> it just doesn't care too much. Now, something I've often wondered about too. So, okay, the, the idea of being a participant, so like being an artist showing in a festival, the idea or the hope, I guess I should say, so like as a as an artist myself, so like as a ho the hope of being in festival is that basically some curator or gallerist or something would see you and then you would sort of be discovered and they would sort of yeah. take you down your career on a certain path. Yeah. Do you, have you found that that kind of things happen? It, it does happen. It does happen because because even portfolio reviews work. Like I discovered a lot of artists on the portfolio reviews, and that we uh, exhibited at the festival later. It doesn't have to happen like the next, the following year, because you know because of the subjects and themes we have. Because I write them down and I've got them in my you know in somewhere in my book, and I when when I like the project, the portfolio reviews work also exhibiting their work because especially you know like now it's a little bit tricky because of the covid and the travel stuff so you, normally you would have a lot of people from like different festivals and galleries coming over now it is not as mostly for the local audience and for people from the neighboring countries so maybe it's not happening as much depending how good you are in promoting the festival and the exhibition online you know, when I went to another festival and when other directors of the festivals come to my, our festival, you know, they're always like, oh, I like this and this. I want I want to show it as well. It works. It's an exposure, which if someone likes your work, then and it gets promoted other places. And 
galleries. Some some people want to publish your book, and so it's, it's good. I love it. I mean, it's the theory that that I believe they were founded yeah. on as the idea of festivals was basically to be able to offer exposure to people who might not have other normal commercial avenues for exposure. From our personal experience, we had artists no one heard about, like local artists who like they had never been anywhere. No one no one ever saw their work. They didn't exhibit like it was almost their first exhibition at our festival. And we've done like a big promotion for them. And now they're doing well, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to take the credit or anything, you know, because it, but I'm sure it helps. And obviously, you know, they have to produce other good stuff. You know, it can't be just one big project, but it definitely helps certain people to have the exposure at our festival. But I think it works. And that's why I I see meaning in, in the whole thing. It's not like completely meaningless. It's really sad how the public does not understand how much time, effort, and and sort of motivation. Because like, I started a festival, God, when it was back in like two thousand two, that still goes on. I left the company obviously like fifteen years ago. The idea was to help people get exposure, and basically, it was it was a commodity based thing. It was the idea. It was a what we called an affordable art fair, where everything yeah. was priced under a certain price point, so like artists could get rid of their scrap works, their stuff they wouldn't exhibit or couldn't sell, and their you know commercial retail ideas. And it was magnificent. That people made tons of money, and then of course many of these artists have moved on and and have done had great careers. It was just a helpful thing. It was just something to give them a little bit more money, get a little bit more exposure, yeah. connect to a few more people. I mean, we don't do it as an altruistic thing. We're not yeah. sitting here going, oh, I just care about the arts. It's still the way we have, we want to be able to make a living running these events and to be able to help grow the industry. Yeah. And no, nobody cares to fund that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, uh, like a couple of years ago, we added to the festival another sort of platform. We call it Off Academy. So we've got four sections now of the festival. Like one is the main curated section of, you know, that's curated by us. Then we've got an Off, off Academy section. Then we've got an Off Satellite section, which are like exhibitions outside of the main space in different galleries. And then it's uh, of Libris section, which is a new thing, which we're going to, we are exhibiting uh, self-published books also. But the main thing which, which I want to tell you about is the off academy section, which we started doing like maybe, I don't know, like five years ago or something. It was photographic universities or, or universities where they uh, teach photography. They, they were part of our festival since the beginning. Because I was still a student when I founded the festival. So my university and the university from local universities were exhibiting in group shows, presenting their students. And then one year we thought of the, the, the idea that we should cover it as a whole thing and create a section of the festival just for universities. So last year we had like 11 universities from all around Europe presenting work of their students, which was absolutely amazing because it was another COVID year, like December lockdown. Like I think the day we, we, we closed the festival, the next, the following day lockdown started or something, you know, it was like really like perfect timing. And uh, so it was a miracle that we managed to get 11 different universities from Europe and they came to Bratislava 
you know, they, they hung their work, they came with the students, which is all, always a very good thing when the students come to the festival. And then, then you've got like different universities from different cities, different countries, and they can talk to each other. They can see the work from different universities and how they, how they, they approach and all of that. So that's another thing. We are giving exposure to really young and, and starting photographers. And then we've got an award. We call it on award which is the opposite of off, you know, like off and on. We give an award to, to one of the students from one of the universities. And they get an opportunity to exhibit the work on the festival next year in the main curated section as a solo show. So that's something we are doing. And then also we've got a main prize from the curated section of the festival. We give uh, 5,000 euro cash to one of the artists. We call it Lee Award. This is one of our partners, the Lee Fashion Brand, which is absolutely great because when we discussed it with, uh, with people from Lee, they were like, okay, so what, what do they want? Do they want their pictures to be on t-shirts and stuff? I was like, uh, well, they want money. That's what they need. They want money to, so they can create more stuff. You know, they want the, to be, independent and so they have time and as you said you know time and space and money to create other projects without feeling that they have to go to work in the morning and don't know what they're going to eat or where they're going to live well but a a a t-shirt with their artwork on it could also be an additional thing that would be quite amazing because that's a great thing to put on your cv as well no i don't think every yeah it it would be great it would be great but i don't think everybody all the artists would like that you know what I mean? Like some, they, they would might not like the idea of presenting their artwork on the T-shirt. They might be too commercial for them, or or they might not. Well, and the imagery just might not translate well. Exactly, exactly. Because the the project that won this award, 2021, uh, it was a project from Turkey. Ali Sultan is the artist, and it was about refugees. It was a, a refugee camp in Turkey. So I don't think this kind of pictures would work well on commercial products. And the year before, it was an American artist and their project uh, about transgender people. So it's not really, you know, stuff that would probably sell well as, you know, like from the perspective of the fashion brand. And I don't think the artist would also like the idea that this, it would be much felt that, you know, kind of you are cheapening the work or something so the cash is better (laughs) yeah legitimate i mean yeah i mean not every artwork translates well to uh, you know basic fashion or even just graphic sort of uses so yeah no it makes sense and of course we all want money for god's sake yeah Yeah. so 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 this is this is how we are trying you know to help the artist in this way as well you talk about helping the artists. Do you like, okay, because I've often wondered this yeah. since I've never been in a festival. Do, do you all like mentor the people and help them sort of hone and refine and maybe even edit their exhibitions? Or do you pretty much just take it as submitted and you just go, okay? It's very individual. Some people like that. Some artists don't like that. So if we see that there is a space for that, we are very willing to help. As I mentioned, you know, like all certain spaces require different approaches of the artwork and different approaches to exhibiting the, the work. So we, I'm, 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 and my, my 
team is here to help. But sometimes, you know, like the artists, they they know what they want, and and it's tricky to deal with it. You know, so so I mean, it's very individual. Have you run into any sort of situations? Like one of the things that keeps coming up in the podcast over and over again is basically like, no matter how good your artwork is, you also have to be enjoyable to work with. So like, have you had any situations where somebody makes fabulous work, but they are horrible people? Many, 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 yes. <laughs> Should I name them all? No, I would never do that. But, but yes, there, no, there, is, always, there is always, there, yeah. I mean, yes. It's, but, but those are the great, you know, the greatest stories. And it's a, we had a, uh, we had a Christmas party last Friday. In, on the 21st of January, we had a Christmas party because we couldn't do Christmas parties here in December because of the lockdown. So now we can do parties up to 20 people and everybody has to be like triple vaccinated and all that. So, uh, we managed to do a Christmas party for, you know, for, for our team and, you know, like, closest people that we were on on the festival and that's always the best stories you know like it's it's horrible when you have to deal with it but afterwards when you're like oh do you remember this person like this was awful this was you know it's the best memories in a way but it is yeah there's a lot of big ego like a lot of big ego and uh, a little bit of mental issues and stuff you know but it comes with art like we as artists are not completely sane people, so so I completely understand when that happens. But yes, it uh, sometimes it's 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 difficult. Oh yeah, I, just to be clear, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody else in this. Like I was an egotistical little arrogant shit in my youth, and I hope that I've become more uh, wise and 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 uh, thoughtful in my actions these days. But I mean, I think like it, at a certain point, it's like it self confidence is good, but there's a fine line between yeah. self confidence. Self confidence is self confidence is good, but there is a um, arrogance is not good. Arrogance is not good. And in my experience, what I can say, honestly, doing this for 13 years. Just between the two of us. Yes. Just between the two. I mean, I'm not going to say anything, anything that's shocking. I'm, I'm sure like pe- people would agree with me that the biggest stars are always the ones that are not as much as difficult as the ones who only started. And they had one great project and they think they're a big shot or something. It's always that sort of thing like, oh, you kind of think like, mm, okay, good luck to you. They have to think also. This is very small world. Photographic world is a very small world. Everybody knows everybody. And if, if you go to art fairs and festivals, all the directors and people of the gallery owners and, and they know each other. Like I, like I know most of those people by name, like we are friends, you know, like we know each other and we talk, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it happens many times that people ask me about their opinion, like, Oh, we, I saw you had that and that person on the festival. How was it? You know what I mean? I do. And it's a very important part of the entire industry that a lot of people don't really talk too much about because it's just like any other job to a certain extent. Like as much as you want the people to be competent and able to do their job, you also want to enjoy working with them. Exactly. But but I think it's not just typically for our industry. I think it's every industry like that. People are people behaving 
weirdly and awfully in every industry and job. As you say, it's like when you do this and, and you do it almost as a volunteer, as I mentioned, it's like you just want to make it as pleasurable as possible for you. You, don't, you just don't want to have that. So you don't want to work with people that are too difficult. Okay. And so speaking of that, like a little last thing yeah. is, do you have any advice for the, so let's say there's a young artist out there that's thinking about submitting to the festival or creating a career or even somebody who wants to like create their own festival. Yeah. So from your experiences, any sort of insights or advice? Don't give up. I think that like to be very persistent, you probably think, you know, when you do something like this is, like this is the best I ever done and, and stuff. And and in ten years you might oh look at this bag and you go like, Oh, it wasn't that great and I thought like how great it is and I was like shoving it down people's throats. Don't give up because you're gonna get better. Like if you if you keep on doing it, you get better in everything. Like by pr- practice makes perfect. That's like that's the that's the main thing, isn't it? So even if it's not great, in ten years you're gonna be much better. Everything you do. It would be really strange that you would be doing something for 10 years and you would still be at the same place that you didn't evolve at all. Like you would have to be really kind of, I don't know what that would have to be, but be persistent. And if you love doing it, keep on doing it. Like even if, if you are an artist or even if you are the festival director, like there, there has been like many festivals that people started and then once they realized like how much work it is they gave up after two years so it's the thing you know like just don't give up don't be a quitter yeah in my career i have this thing where like i'll do a series of work and i'll work for maybe three or four years on it and then i'll put it out and everybody's like nice and then I move on and yeah. I do another series. And then as soon as I finish that series, put it up, everybody's like, oh, you know what? I really loved the, the previous series you did. <laughs> there is a, this one is even worse. But, like, <laughs> but it's good, you know? Like, why not? I mean, no, this is how I it, felt. It's a, it's a continual progression. Yeah. No, no, it's a continual progression. Like, every, whenever I sub- put out a, a series, everybody's like, nice. And then when I move on to the next series, everybody's like, oh, you know what? I want to buy that last series. Yeah. And then I'll make a next series. And they're like, oh, I want to buy that last series. Because you are still doing something. You know, like I think people, a lot of people want to see that you are doing something. Like you are not one trick pony, you know, like that you, I think if, that you just stick around and you are, you, you are serious about it. I think the hardest thing about to persuade people that you are serious about stuff. Because there is so many, so many uh, artists and, and festivals and uh, events and galleries and stuff all around the world. And, what makes you different to them? That's the question. Do you want to be different? Is it necessary to be different? Is it possible to be different? These days, that is a question with social media and the interconnectedness of all thought these days through social media. Like, is there anything really unique and different to yeah. say? Yeah. The only thing what's different and what's unique is that it's your approach that you are giving your own experiences to, to as an addition to it. Otherwise, I don't think that you can really do anything new or probably the only thing that you can add is your personal touch to it. And that's from the photograph you take to the festival you direct. It's your name underneath it like that makes it think like, oh, that it works. When we opened the gallery, it was fun that people come and say, oh, I knew immediately that you 
when I saw when I saw the space, when I saw the the, the logo, that I knew that too. So it's that thing that makes it unique, I guess. It's that your signature thing. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to chat. Thank you as well. It was really lovely. I had a really good time. Thank you for listening to The Complete Conversation. We would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, studio mates, anyone with an interest in the arts and creative endeavors. The building and strengthening of the arts and creative community is at the core of our mission for this podcast. They can listen and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are produced by 5014. The audio was edited by Cush Audio Services, and the music was created by Pete Bybee. The Wise Fool Art Podcast is supported in part by an EEA grant from Iceland, Liechtenstein, and Norway in an effort to work together for a green, competitive, and inclusive Europe. We would also like to thank our partners Hunt Kastner in Prague, Czech Republic, and Kunst Centrene i Norge in Norway. Links to EEA grants and our partner organizations are available in the show notes or on our website, wisefoolpod.com.